So we've just read these uh, six verses, uh, Matthew 6.30, Matthew 8.26, Matthew 14.31, Matthew 16.8, and Matthew 17.20. And what is the common denominator in all of those verses? Little faith, faith, okay? I want to just maybe break your concept here a little bit about what you think little faith is, okay? And this is going to be a little bit of a different message than maybe you've heard in the past about what is little faith And I want to just encourage us because what you think this may be saying is not necessarily maybe what it is really saying. So when Jesus, and by the way, we're going to start a series and it's going to, it's going to be called looking unto the unseen things. And this has been something that's been on my heart for several months that we just take a few, a few messages and just talk about those unseen things in our faith that we are that we are commanded to look to those things that are unseen. Uh, as Paul said to the Corinthian church, as the external man is perishing, the inner, internal man, the inner man is being renewed day by day because we're not walking by sight, but walking by faith. And so I want to just talk about these things that uh, are unseen. Some of these things are our character. Some of these things are aspects about the character of God. And some of these things are about the promises of God that we read. Now, God lives in eternal state, correct? He lives in a state of eternity. God does not have a clock on his wall that's ticking and that, you know, strikes 12 every day at noon and 12 at midnight. God is living in a continual state of now, present, this present moment. And it's hard for us to imagine. I think the best that we could ever imagine it is, is if you were having this incredible experience where you have just lost track of time And then suddenly you come back to yourself, come back to your mind, or you look at your watch and you think, my gosh, where did the time go? Eternity, God lives in the eternal state of the present, the now. And this state is an unseen state. It's a state where God lives in, and that's a place that God has called us to be in, that God has called us into. This is the the eternal state of promises, the eternal promises of God, the eternal characteristics of his patience, of his nature, of his grace, uh, the eternal aspect of his patience, the eternal aspect of his faithfulness, that God, God never gets tired of being faithful. These are aspects of the nature and the characteristic of God. These are the eternal state. And why we are not talking about this as an American church is beyond me. Why do we not talk about more about the nature of who Jesus Christ is, what God has finished, and what God has prepared for these, these things that, and another, another aspect of the eternal state of God is, is that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the what? The mind of man, what God has what? Prepared for them who, that are responding to the love of God that first loved him, that first loved us. And so God has prepared things for us. Um, Paul said to the Ephesians church, he said, now unto him who is able to do what? exceedingly great and well now we're getting to another verse exceedingly (laughs) above and beyond anything that we could what ask or think right the eternal state of God God's plan for your life is so far beyond anything that you could ever imagine anything that you could ever experience is so incredible and it's so much better than you think that you could ever deserve that is what God has prepared for you and I and our first response is I do not deserve that, right? I don't deserve that. 
And the truth is, we don't. But Jesus Christ has completed the work for us. And now that God can freely love on us with his nature and his character. And so we are now in a place as believers where we have been invited in to step out of the confines of our circumstances, of our money, of our patience, of our own character, how good or how bad it is. God has called us out of our own um, concepts of what life should be or what culture should be. God has called us out of what we think is time, how long something should be or how short something should be. God has called us out of all of these concepts that envelop the whole world of the three dimensions that we live in. Are you following me? Yes. Are you, are you with me? Okay, God has called us out of that. He's called us into an eternal state. Now, I think the first thing that, that we might want to push back on when we hear that is, is, well, how can I be of any earthly good if I'm so heavenly minded? Mm-hmm. And we've heard that before, and that's been around for a while, but I think that there are so... There are people that can be so earthly minded that they're no heavenly good. And I think that we really need to understand what God has called us into, the way to think, the way to commune with God, the way to walk by faith and to walk with God. And so I want to talk about these unseen things. Some of them are, for example, the promises of God. Some of these things are things that God has prepared for you that you and I have no idea that we'll be living in in a year from now because of his incredible sovereign gracious plan some of these things are these unseen things that we are called to look unto is the is like what is god doing on the angelic level what is god doing with his angels what is happening in the world of spiritual warfare another thing is is the unseen realm is the um uh discovering uh the the incredible security of what god has done for us in his salvation And so these are some of the unseen things I want to talk to because we live in a world that we can be so easily wrapped up in what we see and what we hear. You turn the TV on, it's just COVID, 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 elections, 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 this, this, that, this problem, that problem, riots, racism, et cetera, et cetera. And so that is not what God is talking about. God in heaven is talking about something that is that is so pertinent to all of that, but God is talking about what? He would have thought, what is God talking about in heaven when God thinks about you and I? What is he talking about? What is God meditating on? What is he thinking about? Any takers? Anyone have an idea? What is God thinking? Yeah, the gospel, right? God is so amazed and incredibly... um, He's so, he is in such a state of amazement and joy about the gospel that Jesus Christ laid down his life that he could win us back to him. That you and I were the joy that were set before him where he endured the cross, pushed back and despised the shame and and rose again on the third day. And so the gospel is something that God is meditating on. And if we could just shut off our TVs for a minute, shut off our phones, shut off our digital stuff, and just tune into the conversation in heaven. You know what we'd be hearing right now? We'd be hearing mighty angels and incredible seraphim and cherubim worshiping Jesus Christ, falling on their faces, crying, holy, holy, holy. When was the last time that you and I did that? I don't want to, ch- I don't want to chide you today. I'm just saying, when was the last time I got on my face and just listened to God and listened to what's going on in the throne room and just forgotten about what 
didn't happen in my life or how I was abused or how this didn't happen or how people have done me wrong or how this church hurt me or when was the last time I just got on my face and just worshiped and just tuned in to, I mean, these, these mighty creatures that we read about in the book of Revelations that are on their face 24-7 worshiping the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. That's perspective. That's the unseen world. And by the way, what we see here today, and quantum physics proves this, is not, is not, you think, I think I'm insane or something. What we see is not necessarily reality. It is just a grouping of molecules and matter. And, and what is really true and what is really reality is what we read in, these, in this Bible about how God thinks and how God is in control of this world that we live in. And so God has called us into that world of thinking that way, to think radically outside of our emotions, okay? Outside of the way you feel, outside of the way you feel physically, outside of the way you feel in, um, uh, it, it, you maybe have felt victimized. Or, you know, sometimes somebody gets hurt, and that's horrible, and that's terrible, and it really is horrible. But you know something, and, and it's not like that God wants to rush you through that but the Lord wants us to look to him and to see the unseen things that he has prepared for us that we could never even imagine. And so let's look at one of these things tonight briefly. And I want to just look at um, uh, what is faith. And I, I, I don't want you to um, have this concept. I know what faith is. Hebrews 11.1. Uh, we've grown up in a, maybe a Christian culture. We've heard teaching and preaching on faith, but I'd like to look at it from a perspective that maybe uh, really will encourage us tonight. So uh, Jesus here several times, um, actually six times, uh, five times in Matthew and one time in Luke, um, he challenges his disciples using the word little faith. Now, when you hear little, what's the first thing that we think of? Quantity, right? I don't have enough. I have too little money. I have too little uh, experience for that job. I have too little energy for this, for this event. I have too little, too little smarts for what I'm being asked to do. I have too little courage to step out and to lead worship like Brandon did today. I have too little confidence to go and tackle these kids over there that are right now, you know, that are just uh, such a handful for, for our um, ladies over there too little. Little faith here, and Jesus uses this phrase in the New Testament, and he's not, he's not talking about measuring faith. I want to hit a few points here, and then we'll close. Jesus is not talking about the measurement of faith that the disciples had, and he's not talking about measuring their faith by the law, and he's not talking about measuring their faith uh, by anything in the 3D world that they're living in, uh, but he is actually talking about the, rather the concept of distance in the circumstances that he is in. What do I mean by that? Here, Jesus uses a Greek word, which is oligopistos. And some of you may say, well, I don't speak Greek. How can I know that in the Bible? Um, there's some great, you can read commentaries, and then guess what? You have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can tell you what that verse means. But this word here in the Greek does not necessarily mean uh, small, although it can be translated as small, a better translation translators feel for this word little is short, short, short faith. Not little in quantity, but a short in distance. 
okay? Do you get that? What does this mean? He's in effect saying to his disciples that, you know what? Your faith was spot on. Peter, you were spot on when you were walking in the water. You were looking at me. You were spot on. You were victorious, overcoming and revealing the righteousness of God. You were trusting the Father's plan as you were walking on that water and his provision. And at a certain point in time, you stopped trusting God and his word of promise. Your, you, your gaze got short-sighted. You started looking at something that was right in front of you instead of a little bit farther down and seeing Christ that was walking on the water. Short. Jesus is not saying you don't have enough of something. And by the way, this is so sad when you, go to, when you turn on YouTube or you listen to churches or people yelling at you saying you don't have enough faith. When they say that, I say, yes, praise the Lord, brother. I don't have enough faith. And that's why the Holy Spirit and the Word of God are such a provision for us because there's nothing inside of us other than the Spirit of God and the Word of God that would ever seek out God. And so case in point, Peter's walking on the water. He's defying all the laws of physics and he's walking on the water with his gaze fixed towards Jesus and the next minute he's sinking and he's drowning. And so Peter didn't sink into the sea because of the lessening of his own mighty faith. Peter was not walking on the water because of he had great faith. Okay? He wasn't he he began to sink because he was short-sighted. It was That's the first thing I want to mention tonight is that little does not mean quantity, it just means we get wrapped up with those things that are we get we lose sight of the forest because of the trees that are in front of us. The second thing is is faith is because faith is eternal. Okay, remember how he said that God does not live in a world of measurement. God is not, you know, six feet by 12 feet. God is, in, is immeasurable. And whenever God talks, whenever we see miracles happening in the Bible, it's always outside of measurement. Okay? You can't say that Jesus did, okay, he did a lot of miracle over here and he did a little miracle over there. Everything that he did was so outside of expectation. Everything that Jesus did in the gospel was so outside of concept and the understanding of the human mind, it was so outside of what we could ask or think that it was immeasurable. The Holy Spirit says in the Gospels was on Jesus without measure. Isn't that beautiful? That the Holy Spirit is without is on Jesus Christ without measure. Does that does that apply to the believer today? That the Holy Spirit is on you without measure? No, 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 no. We we think, oh no, I I, I did this wrong, I said that wrong, I'm not I'm living in a very finite world. I don't have enough money to think about that, a mission trip to Kurdistan or whatever, or go, go down the street and share the gospel with my neighbor. I don't, we, God does not live in space and time. So whatever God does is so outside and so amazingly outside of what we could ever imagine that it's eternal. This is, friends, our faith. And I'm not going to speak much longer here. Your faith, our faith in Jesus Christ is immeasurable. It's immeasurable. It's not little. It's not great. It's not medium size. It's not like a dimmer switch on the side of a wall where sometimes it's bright and then sometimes it's a little dim. But our faith, and this is the third point I want to make, is this, is that faith is binary. Now, stick with me here. Faith is binary. It's, it's either on or it's off. It's not that I have a little faith kind of on, flickering. No, it's... It's either it is on or it is off. It's either I am filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit, or I am not filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit. 
and I'm walking in the flesh, walking in the power and the energy of my natural mind. I'm either born again or I'm not born again. I'm not either, I'm not half saved and half unsaved. Um, I'm not in Christ a little bit and then a little bit in the flesh. You know what I'm saying? It, it's binary. God is not either faithful and then sometimes not faithful. He's always faithful. The Bible is always true. Are you following me? Um, God, the, our faith is not something that is not something that we can have a lot of one day and a little bit the next. Sometimes it feels that way because we're we're letting our emotions kind of turn that dimmer switch on the wall of our of our soul, and we're just seeing sometimes more light or less light. And it, all it is, friends, is that it's just emotional. It's just emotions. Faith is binary. It means that it's on. It means that when we look at Christ, like Peter's on the water walking, looking at Christ, he is on the water. The moment that he gets short-sighted, not little faith or his faith struggles or, or like, you know, he doesn't feel righteous. It's not that much. The moment he takes his eyes off of Christ and looks at the waves that are in front of him, he becomes short-sighted and he begins to sink. So our faith is not something that is measurable. It's not something you say, well, you know what? She's got a lot more faith than I do. That's a very wrong statement. That's not even biblically correct, okay? And how can we prove that? How can we, how can we verify what we just said? Well, our sister read the verse at the end here in the book of Matthew where Jesus said, he said in Matthew 17, verse 20, he said, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, if you have a little, it's more than enough, okay? If your faith, and we're going to get into a minute where that faith comes in and what that faith is in, but our faith, whether you feel like you have a lot of faith today or you don't feel like you have a lot of faith today, that is not the issue, okay? We get so emotional about our, our, our Christian maturity and how our, we are in our spiritual status. We think that if I don't have a lot of faith like like, you know, maybe, maybe like this other person in the room has always these great testimonies and I don't feel like I want to say anything because I don't feel like God's doing anything in my life. That does not matter because faith is not something that is a little bit or a lot. It is either, it is binary. It is either, either I have it or it is, or I don't have it. Now, let me get into what this means and praise the Lord that faith cannot be measured by a stick. Faith cannot be measured by how much tongues I speak or, or how much I serve or how many people I tell the gospel to. Faith cannot be determined in my life or spirituality, how long I've walked with God. You cannot measure faith. Um, and so what is, what is it? Um, faith is like a light switch. Now, when we're walking in faith, when we're walking by faith, it's like when you walk into like a dark room and you turn on the light switch, and there's immediately light in the room, right? When you and I choose to stop thinking in our flesh, to stop thinking in our carnal mind about things, to stop thinking at the, at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, where I'm just thinking about good things and the bad things. That's good. This is bad. That's just the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I mean, a lot of Christianity happens there. Oh, he's good. He's bad. She's good. He's bad. Now she's good, but now he's, he's bad. We just camp out at that tree. We just say, well, that's bad about the church. Well, this is good about the church. Well, what about Christ? What about Christ? And so, like, faith is when, when we, when the, the faith switch is on, then the light is, the room is lit with light, and every aspect of darkness has to flee. 
uh, I've told this story before, but um, I just think it, it just illustrates to me so clearly what faith is, is that I remember when we were living in Baltimore, we had a power outage in our neighborhood and just it was pitch black. It was like the fall, everything was no lights, it was all black. And I was out walking our dog. My wife had put in the windows candlesticks, uh, like candles, like real candles. And I'd walk down the street and I was maybe about a tenth of a mile or even maybe a quarter of a mile away from the house. And I could look down the street and I could see the candle. That light dispelled darkness. I mean, the immense darkness all, all around the neighborhood. Yet I could see my way home because of that little flicker of a flame. Light is powerful. And so faith is not something that I have a little bit of or that I have a lot of, but it's something that I'm functioning in faith or I'm not functioning in faith. Is that, is that clear? It may sound simple, but here's what happens is that when someone says you don't have enough faith, we need to push back against that and say that's not biblical. Because if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, which we know is the smallest seed in the seed kingdom, I'm told, if, they, if you, in the seed kingdom, whatever that means, the small, is that's enough. If you have like one, if you just have like, like I think somebody prayed for it um, when we had our time of prayer that when we can't even seek the Lord, we have someone praying for us and that God is stirring that up. In closing, I want to just say this, is that Jesus was not questioning his disciples' faith. Why? Because Jesus defines faith in Matthew 70 20 is that it's not, a, it's not a matter of more substance that Peter is asking for. Lord, increase our faith. Remember Jesus said you have to forgive your brother 17, 70 times 7, 70? That's always where we feel like we need more faith is forgiving other people, right? Now, nobody's got that problem, right? I mean, 17, in, in, Jesus says in Matthew chapter, in, in John chapter 6, he said that... Um, after Peter says, Lord, increase our faith, Jesus, Jesus says, if you have this seed, um, if you have this um, faith as a, as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be removed and it'll be cast into the sea. Mountains always refer to kingdoms, by the way. And so when you say, when, when you read verses about mountains in the Bible, just kind of put their kingdom, like you could say unto this kingdom, be removed and cast into the sea. And... I don't know how you feel, what, you're, what you feel like your spiritual temperature is today, but when you pray by faith in the promises of God, the, no matter how good you think you're doing with God or how bad you are, the devil shakes in his shoes because he knows that, that prayer is powerful. Um, so now that we've established what little faith is and what, what, what it is not, um, that faith does not matter what size it is, where does faith come from? Where do we get this, where does this switch come on? How does the switch come on in our life? How do we get illumination in our soul? How do we get clarity in a very dark and confusing world and a very emotional world with a lot of just vibrations all over the place and just spiritual activity? Where do we get that shield of faith? And where do we get that sense like, okay, I have clarity and walking by faith. Hebrews uh, chapter 10 verse 17 says this. It says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Friends, faith comes from the Word of God. It does not come from listening to a guy on YouTube yelling at you that you don't have enough faith. Um, faith does not, and I don't know if we do that or not, but faith does not, does not come when you, are con- when you have conformed to a religious Christian culture that seems to applaud you and to give you affirmation. That's not where faith comes from. Faith comes from opening this book in your very darkest moment and reading a verse and saying, 
my name's on that verse. And letting the Holy Spirit reveal that to you as a rhema, as a personal revelation to what does this mean in my life today? That's where faith comes from. It does, don't, you know, the world says, look deep inside of yourself, dig deep, and you're going to find that courage. No, you're not. You're going to find a scared kid in there that doesn't have any courage at all. Right. Don't look inside of yourself. Look outside of yourself. Look outside of your world of the 3D, predictable, natural thinking, and look into the eternal state of where God is present and where he will never leave you, he will never forsake you, and that's where faith comes from. And when you gather together, I was talking to somebody before the meeting started, that they did everything they could to drag themselves to this meeting. That's faith. That is a, that's a step of faith that could be even greater than someone getting on a plane and going to China on a mission trip. You know what I'm saying? Faith is when I'm looking at Jesus Christ, and this is Hebrews chapter 12, uh, Hebrews chapter 12 the author and the finisher of our faith. Not only is he the inspiration of our faith, not only is he the beginner of our faith, but he's the one who brings it to completion in your life. Are you worried about your own faithfulness? Are you worried about your own patience? Are you worried about your own whatever in your moral character? God will be faithful to bring that to a finishing point in your life. And you can, and we can just relax and be so full of joy because it's not us trying to do something for God. It's not us trying to do something in our Christianity. It's us trusting in Jesus Christ and what he's doing and just really rejoicing in that and never trying to control it, but just enjoying it. Amen. So any comments or questions? Do you have any thoughts? Yes. I was just wondering if you 